Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, supported by The Athletic. Uh, my name is John, with me is Mike. Yeah, hi. We know what's happening in this podcast. Jason. Hello there. And DCW. Evening. Yes, well Watford have uh, just lost at Rickard Road. 3-2, went ahead. Oh, 10 minutes, the earliest goal we've uh, scored under Nigel Pearson. And we scored another, uh, but unfortunately two goals in the injury time for the first half. Made 2-2 at half-time. And of course, you may have heard that we let in a goal in the very last seconds. So half-time wasn't really fun, but neither was the end of the game even more so, Mike. It just completely flipped. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to live in happier times for, what, 30 seconds or so. <laughs> I thought the first goal was absolutely a magnificent and lovely cross-ball ping from... Etch- no, they, they, the whole goal. Firstly, it was a Cabernet's tackle, which he sorted out. The, Bobby P's back heel pass through the Everton players. Kapoor over control from uh, Delefeu, who was running at pace. Yeah. And then the, the finish from Messina for his first goal for Watford. So I'm going to say as well, we, we credit to Messina, because that wasn't the easiest ball to control from Delafay. It was a little sort of bouncy ball rather than on the floor. So he had to control it and he put it right inside the post where Pickford couldn't get it. So fantastic finish from Messina. And a decent second goal as well. I thought Pereira was struggling up until that point and probably for the rest of the game actually in, in fairness. But he, he took his goal well. Another lovely little ball through from, from Troy and all was well with the world. And I think it was it was probably a just scoreline at that stage. I thought, I thought Everton looked very, very poor. I think Iwobi up front looked lacklustre and is completely lacking form with. They didn't look a threat going forward in the slightest. We seem to have uh, Richarlison's number, which is obviously always nice. And Watford were the, were the only team in it and absolutely cruising when the, when the board went up at, at 45 minutes. So that was Everton's first corner of the game and then their second corner of the game and two all at half-time. And you know what's coming at that point. You know what that does to uh, not just the, the team, but the, the fans, the whole momentum is everything in a game like that. When you're 2-0 up and cruising so, so comfortably and then you're pegged back from nowhere, two really, really poor goals to concede, both from Yerimina, who I don't think the last time he scored, I don't know, I was four or something. <laughs> just really, really dreadful goals to concede. Um, and for it to flip, as you said, completely... It was going to be a very, very tough second half, and, and, and so it proved. It was a lot more open in that second half, I thought. I thought Everton, Watford came out looking like they had the hangover from that last couple of minutes. But very quickly it opened up, wasn't it? There was a lot of space. It was The ball was flying around. And if you're a neutral, you probably, en- you probably enjoyed uh, 20 minutes or so of that, of that second half. And then Fabian Delft got his, his second yellow card. Ludicrous second yellow for him. There's absolutely no need for him to do it which kind of summed up the entire game really lots of mistakes lots of petulance lots of silly silly mistakes and, and bad choices off he goes at that stage Everton are like right let's disappear up back up to, to the Merseyside with a point absolutely no thing nothing in their mind that they wanted to to win it Keane came on they shut up shop Watford didn't look like they were able to to break them down they broke up the other end and scored 3-2 uh, see you next week cheers <laughs> well, with bigger parts on the players and stuff, but Jason, I suppose the thing that you know we, we talked about on our walk-up occupation road was the fact that in the last three games we have been in a position where we could win those games. Um, I always like to think of those as opportunities to learn, but they have been and are getting a little bit frustrated. Where do you think Pearson's mistake, shall we say, in seeing off that game was? In in case of this one, uh, I think we were. It looked like we were trying to trying to win it. I think. Isaac success. Try and win it. Are you sure? <laughs> there's a whole yeah. There's a whole story going on here with Isaac success, isn't there? If we want to talk about Isaac success, let's 
I think they made a big thing of him playing for the under-23s when he did. Obviously, he didn't play in the Tranmere game. I think he's something must have happened. This is a show, firstly, a show of sort yourself out, son. Seemed to have the right attitude. Got his chance on the bench today. Comes on ahead of Andre Gray. Don't know how telling that is. And it seemed like during the week we were trying to get rid of him on loan. That hasn't happened, but he's still in the first team squad and getting on the pitch today. But And that came after the red card, didn't it? So it, it felt like they bought Keane on and then we sort of counteracted that with bringing success on. So it was almost like, right, let's get another big lad on. Let's, let's, let's batter them almost. Let's, let's, yeah, let's get it up there. Because we weren't... In sort of in the middle, we weren't sort of able to really sort of play a play a game, sort of short passing game. It was they were playing quite a pressing game, Everton, and they were they were playing very similar to I think the way we've done in in recent weeks. They they were happy to sort of press up front. If we had the ball in midfield, maybe they'd just sit back and then they'd sort of wait for us to try and create something. And and that that didn't happen um, for us. I think the, the two goals were one was a, a quick quick break, the first one. The second one was because we won the ball high up up the park we weren't able to sort of play our way through them so I think that sort of became a we're not able to play through them let's get it up there quickly let's have a couple of big men up there that can get the ball down give it to Welbeck a striker on the pitch who so okay so he moved him out sort of to the left but yeah let's let's see him running on and we I think we saw that where Deeney was winning balls before success came on Deeney winning the balls Welbeck was always looking to to peel off his man, make a run. You can see that was happening quite a lot. Maybe things that we weren't getting from other players that were on the pitch before Welbeck. Um, so yeah, I think that was that was the tactic. That was where he was trying to win it. And it was all a bit congested, really, wasn't it? And we weren't really creating anything. Even then, if we weren't creating anything and it wasn't going right, we should still have been good for a point. Obviously, that didn't happen. I, I think he got the subs all wrong today. I think, I well, think the unworthy substitute for again, Mr. Chalabar going off. Absolutely, it seems to be that that's that's the go-to plan. If we want to change things, we take off Chalabar, we reorganise the midfield, we bring on a sort of forward player or whatever, and then on paper that I, I get the logic of that if you're trying to win games and I, I applaud the attempt to be positive you know compare it to what Kike was doing when we you know we were desperately trying to you know not lose games as opposed to win them and. But, but it just seems to ruin the balance and the shape of the team. So Welbeck comes on, there's two up front. Were we 4-4-2 at that point? I was, you know, we were, but then also, you know, the, the two wide players, they want to come inside, so they don't really give you the width. Uh, they've changed sides, and I just think it, it kind of ruined it. And then, and then he just seemed to just be throwing more and more at it. Pacetto came on, Success came on, who was absolutely appalling. Cabellis there on his feet, did nothing, you know, he looked slow. And he, uh, it was absolutely terrible, and it just sort of all fell apart from that point. And I think I don't know what the issue is with Chalabar. Well, is it? I think it's two things. One, he doesn't want to get rid of Decore, so he t- therefore and, and Capu, so your substitute has to be Chalabar. Or they are still guarding and aware that Chalabar is still coming back. We know he has gone off on two occasions since well this this you know, calendar year with a slight injury they are a bit cautious so that is that the only reason it's the third game in a row where he's gone off and we've lost or drawn the game we've lost points when he goes off the pitch we look worse when he's not on the pitch so i think he needs to think about that and also as, as well as that he needs to practice scoring and defending set pieces <laughs> we can't do it a set, uh, to-do list uh, for the Watford team from DCW this week. The, the, the whole thing was confused, and Jason used the word congested, and 
it, 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 it was just confused. I don't think anyone knew what their role was. I think at four four two, at least, you kind of you've got some sort of shape. I thought Welbeck, to his to his credit, looked absolutely fine. He he buzzed around. He was doing defensive work. He looked fit. He looked strong, and he looked he looked willing and able. Troy up top was still winning the ball. I thought he had a, he had a very very strong afternoon, winning headers and not just winning headers, but getting direction on those headers. So we were getting into good good situations there was a lot of good stuff I think the success one in particular was an was an odd substitution I think there were people that turning around scratching their heads where is he doing what's he supposed to be doing and I think it was a sort of just throw all the cards up in the air and see where they fall was and it just he wanted to say right I know I've got a problem now I know Troy Deeney's one I know Welbeck's probably going to be two once he played a few games Gray's not really saying number three to me. Shall I just try Isaac out and see if he can put, prove it to be number three? But now actually he's not got a three and he's got two fours and a five. It was interesting. Before, before the, he, he, Isaac's success came on, I saw Craig Shakespeare put both hands on his shoulders, looked directly into his eyes and was obviously giving him a pep talk, was obviously trying to motivate him, say, come on, get on there and do something. This is your time, this is your moment, go and, and do something. And, you know, in fairness, you know, he scampers round, he works hard. Going into a game like that when you're up against, not up against it, but trying to snatch something against a team who's defensively set up, you know, five at the back, whatever, they were just mass ranks back there. It's very, very difficult to, to get up to speed. But I just don't think he was, he's the, he's the right player. I don't think he's, he's good enough. But I'm going to rewind it back a little bit, John. And you said, what, what did Nigel Pearson getting wrong um, for us to have lost this game and lost, lost at Aston Villa. And um, I think it was Geordie in the WhatsApp group that said, for the last three halves of football, we've conceded a goal in injury time. So last, last knockings at, at Villa, two in injury time here. They were timed at 47 and 49, mm. the goals at half-time here, and then the 90th minute. So, yes, I think we're absolutely right to query um, Nigel Pearson and that, that sort of chat we've had there indicates that the substitutions didn't come off they didn't work this time Chalabar is an issue but we have to start looking at the players um, see that game out against Villa get to half time today even at 2-1 we probably still win the game that such was Everton's sort of lack of they, they were poor Everton were, were looked like a poor outfit today they would have been delighted to get away with with a point and you saw the way they celebrated at the end to get away with a win from that performance from that that situation it was all their Christmases had come at once, and you have to ask the players. You have, the players are culpable in that situation for for giving away the win at Villa and to throwing away a two-goal lead where we were absolutely comfortable. So they almost engineered a situation where they had to go. Crikey, what are we going to do now? Like, what have we got on the bench? Let's throw him on and and see what happens. And perhaps it's the first time we haven't seen him be as considered as he has previously, and it's certainly the first time it hasn't really come off. And, and has backfired, if you like. So there's a bit of bit of slack and a bit of goodwill there. But that was a mess, that last 20 minutes. We know how hard it is to play against 10 men. We've been that 10 men <laughs> for half of the season. Yeah. So we know that it's difficult and we know that it can be done. However, as DCW alluded to, that was it was chaotic. It was, um, there was just no dynamism. There was no plan. And we've we've chucked that one away big time. We definitely have, and we actually, we, as you say, it was chaotic. We didn't really, for for all the possession that we had, once we sort of worked out that what you do against ten men is move the ball around and move the try and move the ball around the team rather than just you know trying to lump it. We, we didn't really have a shot. We didn't really have a proper chance. Pickford didn't really have to make a save, did he? And the other question I just cannot fathom. I was screaming at Messina, take him down. <laughs> just that is a perfect moment. I don't care if you've got a yellow card. Just take it. Take the book in, go off, and we, just, we take the point. 
it, it was it is the absolute epitome of why you take one for the team. And Mar I know Mary Apple was coming round as well. Maybe he should have done it as well. But in that moment, when you've got what three on two was it three on one? Just do it. Take him down and just suck it up. That segues into an interesting point though, because Messina gets red carded. We take the point. Messina misses the next game, which is now an absolute humdinger down at Brighton. Look at the bench today uh, in terms of our defensive um, backup. We had Jose Holobas on the bench today in terms of defensive backup, and that's it. So if Dawson's tweaked a hamstring or something gone down, we've got nothing to come back. So we are very, 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 very thin on the ground defensively. That's all we had today, Holobas. So to lose Messina for another game would potentially have been... Bad. So that that was probably going exactly through his head in that millisecond yeah, yeah, when he yeah, had exactly. the chance. Should I take him out or not? But maybe, maybe well, clearly then, well, the, the only uh, only upside of it would be if Kiko wasn't far off and Yanmat wasn't yeah. far off, and he knew that. But I know exactly what you're saying, DCW. But the other player who came on, who again we're seeing a little bit, little nuggets of him, is Nacho. Um, Jason, we from your looking of him. I wasn't surprised when Pereira was the first choice to be the star replacement. But we did see him. We've seen a bit of him. He does seem a little bit, a few steps away from being uh, the man to start again, uh, again out on the right. It's still early days, isn't it? We're only seeing him in bits and pieces so far, aren't we? And um, I, 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 I've been mentioning this guy's name all the way through the afternoon. That's Lucas Digne, and that's who he was up against, a World Cup winning fullback. So... Tricky, tricky. I thought, he, I thought he was Everton's best player today. He puts himself about, and I think you, you pointed that out as well, John, that he, he sort of gets stuck in. He, I guess he's kind of, you'd almost say he's more of a sort of defensive type winger than a, than a, a sort of one to, he's certainly not a SAR. Mm. Um, and he, he was looking to, yeah. well, we, to take players on, but didn't quite, didn't quite, couldn't get past Dini, sort of the one when he tried to get past him, but he wasn't, he didn't sort of immediately check back and look for an easy pass. He wanted to do it, so it was in his mind to try and attack the fullback. So he has that, he has the mental capacity to, to do it. It's whether he's actually got the skills to do it. But he will come up against lesser fullbacks than Lucas Dini. So I think we really need to see him up against other players in a game where we are looking to to attack, where we've got sort of license to attack, where he's got a bit of room to attack maybe before we sort of really decide on what his if he's got the. Uh, the attacking capabilities that we want from a, from a wide player. Yeah, that defensive put himself in there. Definitely feels like he's keeping you know, attacks alive a, a little bit. Uh, and he did whip a great free kick in. I'm thinking, oh, do you take corners? We might actually do well in some set pieces. But it finished 3-2, unfortunately, to Everton. We head off to the seaside and bright away next week. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans from the rookery end. Mike Sternham is parking, his son called Arlo, and this is our chance to get the younger views of Watford fans on the podcast. This is our feature, Michael Parkinson. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson. It's Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? Good. You're feeling pretty chipper, you're looking very smiley, which is, which is good, despite Watford's defeat yesterday. We fell to another late goal. Now, you've been playing football today, you've had a bit of footballing experience over the past two or three years, you're doing... Really well, that is very proud of you. But what advice would you have for Nigel Pearson and the team to make sure that we stop conceding these damaging late goals? 
keep the centre backs Dawson and Cathcart in the middle so they can block the centre forward and Messina and Mariapa, Mariapa yeah. and they can do the wing and the Kapu and Decore they'll track back and help Cathcart and Dawson We've got a massive game next week Brighton away do you think we'll be having a good interview after yeah. that game next yeah. week? You do? What do you think the score will be? 4-1 Watford. 4-1, we'll take that. 4-1 or 3-1, either will do. Arlo, thank you for your tactical insight and uh, for spending a bit of time with me this afternoon. Much appreciated. See you again. Bye. You would have heard some little chimes at the beginning of the podcast uh, and also me mentioned that now that From the Recruit is supported by The Athletic. This is something we did a little podcast about that went out on Friday and Mike and I had a discussion about what this means. Uh, Mike, it's going to just mean more from the rookie end, more content for Watford fans. Yeah, firstly, I think we should say we're pretty proud to have been approached by The Athletic and to, to be able to go into this partnership. Their MO is to provide the best possible um, club-by-club coverage and by asking us to be a part of that, I think that's a, that's a feather in our cap, quite frankly. So it's really, really proud to have been, been approached. But yeah, the bottom line is we're going to be carrying on doing what we've been doing for the past 10 years, talking about our lives as, as Watford fans and, and sharing that with as many people as possible. But this, this tie-up, this collaboration gives us a chance to do more we have the support of you know of a big organization who are are doing great work in the in the in the sporting world um and yeah it's it's good to be a part of so it'll mean more of the same and better the athletic is uh the best place for you to read about watford fc for me mike when when i've been reading it since it launched in august it just makes me think a little bit more gives you a slightly wider scope than most of the press these days seems to just overly focused. Yeah, I mean, we the thing that we enjoy about doing the podcast is we take a little bit of time, we're considered, we explore under the bonnet, if you like, of, of Watford. We've looked at the, the ladies' team, the, the trust and the academy over the years, all the stuff we tend to look in at the, at the wider Watfording the wider Watford picture and I think that's the the athletic approach as well. And You can see that in the articles that are available on the website. So that's why I think we're we're kind of we're reading from the same page and that's why for me it seems like a sensible a sensible decision for, for both parties. If you subscribe you'll get a tonne of Watford content from the dedicated reporter Adam Leventhal uh, insight, information and interviews that you just can't get anywhere else. And it's all for less than the price of half-time pie each month. Uh, the Thursday podcast, Mike, we're going to be joined by Adam uh, to really preview what's, what's coming up that weekend. But if you want to subscribe uh, to The Athletic, you can do so right now and get a 40% discount as well as seven days free trial by heading to theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. There's also, uh, it's original from America, so there's tons of content from uh, the NFL, NBA uh, and Major League Baseball as well as all the major clubs uh, here in England. So that is theathletic.com forward slash rookery end. You're listening to From the Rookery End. He's a good job, Pasetto. He's just walked past us. <laughs> he wasn't there two minutes ago and I was about to absolutely coat him. <laughs> hey, he's a tough lad. He'll get over it. The transfer window is closed. Mike, I don't know how you are your last few days. Seb, 
came onto the pitch before the game. Uh, loved that. Saying goodbye to a player. I actually thought, which players would you like to have said a proper goodbye to? Which ones would you like to have like, put in stocks and thrown things at? <laughs> I think every player should have the opportunity to say goodbye to a stadium full of their own supporters, just to know exactly how we feel about them as they leave. But um, I there the, the were only outgoings uh, on that last day uh, for the first team, at least. Yeah, I mean, there's some some weighty irony in waving goodbye to, to Seb Pradle today without, and going back to my earlier point of only having Jose Holovas on the bench as defensive backup. I mean, whether he's got something else lined up, I, I don't know. He's, but yeah, waving bye to, to Seb Pradle when we were so devoid of defensive backups, it's it's an interesting one. And, you know, to, to, to be frank, I was pretty ambivalent about this, this transfer window. The January transfer window is a very, very difficult one to do, to, go, to do good business. And I have said all along that this team is the team that needs to get themselves out of trouble. I don't think there needs to be massive investment. I don't think there needs to be lots of, of new faces because, quite frankly, I don't think it would work. I think the signings that we could get in at this stage aren't going to work for this squad. They need to, they need to be tight knit. They need to work. and They need to dig themselves out of it. And I think there's a very, very big danger that you bring in. A, you know, I'm thinking about someone like Niang, those sort of guys who become available for a reason. They become available from good clubs for a reason, and then they land in the dressing room here. And you don't want clicks forming. You don't want people thinking they're better than anyone else. This is a team that is going to get out of this through work ethic and belief and togetherness. And I think the squad, the, the fit squad, is good enough. However, we've seen today, and I'll go back to that point, the bench, defensive options, there's none. We saw when, you know, Holobas came on for Messina, OK, he was up against, it was Troy wasn't it, against Wolves, who, who tore him a new one for, for the remainder of the game. Um, not everyone's going to be like that. But we are, all of a sudden, looking light defensively. So, perhaps... We ought to have moved if a new Seb, Seb Perda was going. We ought to have tried to get some bodies through the door in terms of defensive. From what we know what's going on, they did try and get Ben Gibson from Burnley. Again, one of those players that isn't playing for them. And you're right, that's sort of what you get in January. So that, that was clearly on their mind. But the only reason why you would let Seb Perda go is that you know he isn't really going to be a choice for your first team players. But we didn't sign a striker, Jason, which again, I think we've been saying that for a while. And I thought about this. We sort of did have a new striker come on the pitch today. Isaac, no. Uh, Danny Welbeck. You know, he hasn't played. He hasn't been part of our thought process. We haven't even, you know, he plays so little. He hasn't been on the podcast a part of our all what if, you know, conversations. But he is a sort of new signing. And the performance we've got today is a new boy's turned up. He's got some minutes in him. Things will be better. And we will have a new, you know, far better options up front. Yeah, I think so. It, it does feel a bit like a new signing, doesn't it? And we there's always that doubt and that sort of nagging down in the back of your mind that he's oh is he going to get injured again are we going to see him sort of make a run across the box because he I mean you sort of look at the effort he's putting in I've already said about some of the movement he was making you could already see that that is a probably a class above what we've got in the striking department in terms in terms of his movement are you saying he's better than Andre Gray well, I'll, I'll, let's let the listeners make their mind up on that. But he's, he's got pace as well. And we sort of saw, I think there was one where he sort of closed down Pickford from a yeah. goal kick, nearly got to him. Um, and we need to try and utilise that as well. So it, with, with Deeney back in the side and what he does with that brute force, having a Danny Welbeck then trying to run in behind the defence... Is that, is that the way we should be going moving forwards or do we stick with the way we started, having Decore playing at number 10, 
what happens? I mean, we've, we've talked about Chalaba versus Decore in terms of substitutions. Is that a decision that Pearson needs to, to make in the coming games? Maybe, okay, if we're going to play, play a, a Deeney, Welbeck kind of, of axis in the middle two, which two midfielders are left sitting behind them? So he's got some decisions there to make. Perhaps he is his first game back today. He probably won't start against Brighton, you'd say, because there is that worry. But he did look fully fit when he came on, didn't he? There's a worry, or there's that thing with Mike saying there's no options at the back. There's plenty of options uh, on the at attacking front. He's got to make the, make the choices, the tough choices. I think the, the, the inactivity is not a massive surprise. I was surprised to see people up in arms at, at no one coming in yesterday. I think you mentioned ben, and the attempts to bring Ben Gibson in. How long that had been going on, I don't know. Trying to do your business, if you, if you, if you value it as an important role or important position to fill, trying to do it on the 31st of January is, just isn't sensible and it, it makes life hard for everyone. So I don't think the inactivity is a surprise. Whether it is a the correct move, it will be open to debate because what we've so, what we've seen quickly is we are an injury or two or a suspension or two away from being a team that makes life very very difficult for themselves. So it will be very easy after a performance like today, a performance um, like Villa, for people to start pointing again at Filippo Giraldi and the and the recruitment team, saying, you know, we've known we've had we've had, known we've had issues defensively. Of course, they would point to the, the stat that's been bandied around. Ben Foster, most clean sheets in the Premier League. And the defence has actually looked pretty solid. But we're never far away from missing out on some, some key players. Um, and that, you know, you can make your, own, you make your own minds up. And now that, you know, the window's shut, we're freewheeling towards the end of the season. We'll know one way or the other soon enough. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Come on, you Orns! DW, the teams around us, um, no one particularly any, any big business. Is anyone you think that has put themselves in a better position to maybe make that leap that we're, we are all wishing for the, uh, the bottom five? I think the only team that's really spent any significant money was West Ham. They signed Jared Bowen from Hull in the Championship, who's, who's been very, very good for a number of seasons in the Championship now. He, he might be a player that... They've thrown away three points today. They drew at the end against Brighton, but he might be the player that makes a difference in one or two games. Could keep them up. Newcastle obviously got Danny Rose, but I think it's all still much of a muchness. It is still really tight. Fortunately for us, there the results have gone a certain way. That means we, we the, the, the points gap is still not huge, uh, and the, the fact that we've played Brighton next week is a good thing for us because it means we can you know directly take points off a relegation rival. It is a massive massive game Brighton will be confident having got a point a late late point I think at West Ham today uh, they haven't had a great run of form but I've, the, the few times I've watched Brighton this season in the flesh and on TV they've looked good they do have they play good football they've got some dangerous players they've, they've had a bad run of form um, maybe they've got a bit of a soft underbelly but they can they can do it if you let them play football they'll score nice goals and they'll play good football so we have to be right on it next week it, it's a it's an absolutely huge game if we, you know if we lose that one you know that's three and well three losses in a row you know four four in a row you've dropped points and it, it looks really really difficult we've spoken a lot about the impact that, that Nigel Pearson and Craig Shakespeare and his, his team have had since they've they've come in and and rightly so the form has been very very good up until these until Villa and, and today but what you saw today after those those two goals went in was 
we were reminded very quickly of the Watford of earlier in the season, I thought. There was a lot of confidence drained very, very quickly. There's a lot of uncertainty. You saw Ben Foster come in to, clear, to go for, for balls from crosses where ordinarily I think he would have been happy to let his, his defenders deal with. It just crept back and you got a little glimpse, didn't you, of what the Watford's been like earlier in the season. So we've, we've heaped praise on, on Nigel Pearson and, and Craig Shakespeare. We've heaped praise on, praise on the players. Now is when they're really going to earn it because their backs are, are well and truly up against the wall now. We've got, you know, there's, there's four games really which you can probably write off in terms of, of any points. So you've probably got 10 games now where we've got realistic opportunities to get the, get the points we need. And that's not me being defeatist. We're not going to get anything from Man City. We're not going to get anything from, from Liverpool, Chelsea away, Arsenal away, Man United away. It's very, very, very difficult. So we have to be realistic. And these guys... You know, they. This is when we're going to learn about them, um, and this is where we're going to learn about Nigel Pearson because this is the first bit of adversity in the, in his very very short reign. Um, so, are they going to be Watford under under Pearson that we've seen, or are they going to revert back to the Watford earlier in the season? It's 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 fascinating. And next next week, you can't. It's the biggest game of the season. <laughs> Mike, how many times have we said that? <laughs> Mike, you say that um, you, you're writing Manchester United away off. Uh, and I, I want to disagree with you there because what you don't realise is that it's going to be nil-nil in the last minute. Igalo is going to score an own goal. <laughs> <laughs> Secret agent. <laughs> the most bizarre thing on a transfer window uh, deadline day when uh, and Igalo signs Man United. But I, every Watford fan seems to go, good on him. Good on you, Iggy. Well done. Thank you very much for listening to From the Rookery End. We'll be back with that brand new podcast uh, on a Thursday. Remember, Monday mornings, Thursday evenings ready for your podcast listening ears. Thank you very much, Michael. You're welcome. Thank you, DCW. Thank you. And thank you, Jason. Thank you. Come on, let's be upbeat. We just put this one to bed, get down to Brighton and get three points. Come on, you horns. Come on, you horns. <laughs>